Right, friends, I'm going to try and smash out a little bit of an audio for you. A little, I'm not going to call it a podcast because it's a once-off. It's, an, it's not going to be a podcast. Is it a podcast if you just do one? I don't know. Anyway, hello. If you don't know who I am, my name is Beck Whitley, and I have an Instagram account which is very original. It is at Beck.Whitley. So if you'd like to go on there, you probably won't after you've heard this. You'll probably be like, this girl sounds like an absolute space cadet, and I don't have any time for her. But that's fine you know, each to their own. I'm definitely not for everyone. I've said that many a time before. Um, what I've done is I've actually chucked my eldest in front of the TV watching Bluey. If you've never watched Bluey, I highly recommend it. It is hilarious, um, even though it's for kids. It's so funny. I feel like they've just taken my life and put it into a cartoon form. And the other one is meant to be asleep, but she is just jumping around in her cot. But hey, she's safe and sound. That's fine. We'll just go with it. So a bit of a backstory as to why I'm talking on my phone right now. Uh, the other day it was maternal mental health day, the 6th of May, and I did a little post about it and I said how it's dear to my heart because I suffered with PND with George. And after I posted that, I had an overwhelming amount of messages from, um, mums to be saying that they're worried that that's going to happen to them from mums that have newborn babies saying it is happening to them. And actually from people that have older kids that, um, said to me, they didn't realise it at the time, but they look back on that time now and think, yep, I definitely had it, and that they wished they'd done something about it at the time. Um, I also had messages after I talked about it to say that they that people had been to the doctor to get themselves sorted, and that was like amazing to me. And if I could just help one person, which I know I did, um, that little emotional breakdown on Instagram that night was worth it. So I thought instead of doing anything on Instagram, I do something on here and then people can listen to it if they want to. And if they don't, totally cool. that's totally cool too. It's not for everyone. Um, it's probably not relevant for a lot of people. But for some of you, uh, I'm hoping you're going to listen to this and think, shit, that's me. I, I need to do something about this. I need to get it fixed. So I'm going to start from the beginning, which is always a great place to start. Let's start from the... No, stop it. Stop it. This is a serious topic. So... Uh, a bit about me, I'm 33, I've got two kids, I've got George who's uh, nearly four and Sadie who's just turned two. So I've got a two-year-old and a three-year-old at the moment, <laughs> which is always just so much fun. <laughs> um, but I'd always wanted to be a mum, it's all I, all I wanted to do. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to have four kids, four kids, uh, definitely no less than three, but I'm going to aim for four. Um I got pregnant with George and I was over the moon. Had a pretty good pregnancy. I was a bit sick at the beginning, but nothing, you know, too out of the ordinary. And I had a great birth as well. Six hour labor, out he popped. Now, antenatal class and all that kind of thing. Uh, and from, you know, when you hear stories from other mums who have had babies, you think, you hear all these, all these people say how when that baby is placed on your chest, it is the most unbelievable love you could ever find. Uh, and you cannot describe it. It is just so intense and incredible. So of course, um, after the birth, which you, you know, you hear things about, you only hear the bad things, don't you? No, no one ever tells you about the good birth. So you're already a bit scared about that. No one's going to be like, oh my God, I had an amazing birth. But can I just tell you I did? So it's not always too bad. And then Sadie was even easier. We'll go about, talk about that later. Um, so, you know, you, you go through the birth, which is an experience in itself, and then the baby gets put on your chest and you wait for this overwhelming feeling of love. That's what I was waiting for because that's what you do. That's what happens, isn't it? You have a baby and that's what happens. If you're a good mum, that's what happens. You feel this overwhelming love. And I didn't. That's not what happened. George was put on my chest and I was just like, holy fuck, 
What the fuck is this? What have I done? I do not know what I am doing. Um, and I just looked at him and I was just so overwhelmed with anxiety because how the hell was I supposed to do anything with this helpless little thing? Um, so he's born. I'm holding him. I'm crying because it's fucking emotional and it's draining as shit trying to get a baby out of you. Um, and then I was freaking out because, you know, you lose a lot of blood and I'm not great with blood. I'm not great with blood at all, actually. And then breastfeeding comes. And it was, her- in fact, no, do you know what? Before that, before that, when he came out, the midwife looked at him and said he had something called positional telepies, which is when his foot was stuck in the in a position in my UD, um, and his foot was bent right back on itself. It was it was right back on itself, and it was it looked terrifying, and I freaked out about that. Um, and then like you know doctors and stuff came out to have a look at it, and then I was breastfeeding, and it turned out he was tongue tied, and I didn't know that straight away. I was just I tried to feed him, and it was horrendous. It was the most painful thing of my life. And he wouldn't latch. And I was like, okay, I thought this was meant to be easy. I, I just thought you just chuck them on the boob. They know what they're doing. That's it. No one had told me how horrible and hard breastfeeding is. It, it was it was really scary. Um, so that was a battle. I'm going to jump all over the place because that's just what my mind does. But I'm going to try and stay on track. Um, so anyway, he had his tongue tie snipped, um, which I didn't go in with him because it was horrendous and I didn't want to watch my baby go through that. So my um, lovely mum took him in and did that, brought him back. So I was dealing with the tongue tie and I was uh, dealing with this positional telepies. And the doctors were telling me that, um, you know, he might be a bit, have a funny foot and he might need special shoes and he'll need physio and he'll need all this. And I was like, holy shit, holy shit, this is not what I signed up for. In your mind, you're going to have this perfect, beautiful baby um, and that'll be it. You pop them out, you chuck them on the tit, and off you go. But that's not what was happening. I was, it was terrifying. So I've got the doctors freaking me out about the positional telepies. He's had his tongue tie. Um, and every time I feed him, my nipples are getting more and more raw. Um, and over the next, I, don't, I can't remember how long it was, probably 48 hours max. Every time I put him on the boob, I was bawling my eyes out because it was so painful. And it got to the point where every time I fed him, it was just like milk, like strawberry milk. It was just blood. Um and you're just not prepared for that. Like, you tell me one person that said to you, oh, you know what, you could have tr- real trouble breastfeeding. Like, breastfeeding can be horrible. You're going to bleed. You're going to cry every time that kid feeds. You're going to curl your toes up and you're going to wish that you were in labor rather than this. Uh, no one tells you that. No one tells you that. Um, so I had shields. I had shields on my nips for a good a good few months, which was like so stressful in itself because breastfeeding alone, learning to breastfeed alone um, is one thing. But then when you have to put a shield on every time you need to feed, it just adds a whole new layer to it. Um, so in the middle of the night when this baby's crying and you need to just chuck them on the boob, you can't. You have to get the shields out. You have to lick them so they stick to your, to your nips. You have to turn them inside out. You have to get them into the right place. And then they also make your baby a bit more um, gassy as well because they're taking in all this extra air. It's horrible. It's horrible. So that did not help the situation. Um, moving on from the breastfeeding. So every night, like I was warned about the baby blues. On day three, you're going to get the baby blues. You're going to get the baby blues. Your milk's going to come in. It's going to be all stressful. First of all, when your milk comes in, Jesus Christ, 
not they look your boobs look fucking amazing don't they let's be fair um but it's not fun it's it's painful as well there's nothing glam about this whole thing uh so every night um I cry every night and at first I thought it was just kind of normal I was really really tired but then it went on and on and on and every night I would cry and then every day during the day I'd cry because I was so anxious about everything I couldn't let George out of my sight I had to be with him every second of the day I didn't want to have a shower I couldn't eat I felt so sick because I was so stressed about him every noise he made everything he did I was worried I was constantly taking his temperature not so much in the early days but you know a little bit further in taking his temperature um every time we went to sleep I'd be checking to see that he was breathing it was so stressful and I lost so much weight from it um and my, I just felt like my world was spiraling. I'd look at him and I, and I was like, why don't I love you like everyone says you're going to love them? Why? And I felt so terrible. He didn't choose to be born. He didn't, he didn't choose to be born to me. And I was failing him because I didn't love him. I loved him, but I didn't, I didn't love him. Like I looked at him and I just thought, you know what? You've fucked everything up. You have fucked up everything. You've taken away my body. You have taken away my sleep. You are taking away my social life. You are ruining my relationship with Ben. Because we were so tight and we'd do everything together all the time. But then we became ships in the night because I had to deal with this baby. And, you know, Ben did as much as he could. But at the end of the day, the baby needs its mum. And he couldn't do anything in the night. Like he could he could just kind of open his eyes and be moral support. But really, there was nothing he could do. And I didn't want him to be awake all night. He had to go to work the next day. Um, so I would rather he got some sleep. So we ended up kind of sleeping in separate beds for a while because I had just had George in the bed with me. It was easier. Um but also so stressful because I was scared I was going to smother him and, you know, you hear all that kind of stuff about SIDS that was always at the front of my mind. Um, immunizations, so stressful for me. The worst. I, I I just dreaded it. From the minute he was born, I knew he had to have a six-week jabs and I was terrified. From the minute he was born, I'm not even exaggerating, then we get to the six-week jabs, he has them and I was stressed out to the max about the reactions he was going to have. I was constantly monitoring him, didn't want to sleep at night, just wanted him near me uh, and then that was, and then I just um, was scared of the next ones and the next ones and the next ones and I was actually so scared thinking about what if I have another kid and I have to get their injections done too, like it was just horrible. Um, anyway, so I was just kind of spiralling, spiralling. And it just got to the point where I've just, this is going to sound really horrible. Um, I remember one day I'd had a terrible night. Um, George wasn't sleeping very well. And I remember going somewhere. I, I, I kind of remember where I was going. And I was in the car and I, I think I'd left him at home with, with Ben, which would have been a massive thing for me because I never left him with anyone. I think it took me a month to even leave the house with him in the car. I was so terrified of driving with him in the car. I remember the first time I drove was to go and get a donut because... I'm a doe girl. Um, and anyway, so I'm driving in the car. He was, I don't think George was there. And I remember driving through this massive intersection and the light went red and I was like, you know what? I, I, I want to run this red light right now. And there was a truck as well. And I just remember looking at the truck thinking, fuck, I wish that this truck would just take me out right now and I didn't have to go home ever. That would be it. I can't do this. I am not made out to be a mum. I'm not cut out to be a mum. Like It's what I've always wanted and I don't enjoy it. I can't sleep, I can't eat, my relationship's ruined, I've got no friends anymore, which obviously wasn't true. My body was disgusting, I just, it was horrible, it was all these thoughts going through my mind all the time. Um, and then I actually went home to Ben and I said to him, I was, I was driving and I just wanted someone to hit me, 
I wanted someone to hit me. I didn't want to come home. I did not want to come home. I can't do this anymore. And he, you know, he was obviously very upset about it and he would encourage me to talk to someone, but I didn't. I didn't talk to anyone. I just talked to him and I'd put on a brave face um, because I'd hear all my friends talking from antenatal group and they were all having a great time and no one seemed to be stressed about anything. Um, until one day we were actually out at a cafe and I, I broke down in front of them and I said, I just can't, I just am finding this so hard, like I'm so stressed. And actually at that point, a few other girls said, me too. And I'm so glad you've said something. And they were super, super supportive. But it's also, people can be supportive and amazing, but if you're not going through it, it's really hard to fathom it. It's really hard to understand what someone else is going through. And if you're not thinking about killing yourself, uh <laughs> that's not something that's easily understood. Um, you know, I, there were so many days where I'd just hide under the covers and just cry. There'd be times I'd go in the shower and I'd just sit at the bottom of the shower and cry and cry and cry and never want to get out. Oh, it was horrible. Um, it was horrible. And then at about, when George was about seven months old, he was really sick with a spew bug. Um, it was horrendous and he ended up in school in Starship and that set me off all again it was just the most terrifying thing and it was only it was a vomiting bug you know and I know now that that's just what happens kids just get them um but I was just so stressed about it I was convinced that every time every time he had a sniffle or or a cough I was convinced he had something wrong with him and that I was going to lose him every time and that is not nice to look at your kid and be so stressed out that something horrible is going to happen to them all the time I never wanted him out of my sight. I didn't want anyone to take him. I didn't want anyone to touch him. I didn't want people wearing perfume around him because it might give him a headache. Like, it was just, when I look back now, I was totally, it was all too much. I, I was overreacting. But at that time, I didn't know any better. Um, and then once he started to sleep at about eight months old, I started using a book called Tizzy Hall. Just, uh, what's it called? I can't remember. It's a Tizzy Hall something, Tizzy Hall. Uh, and that was my Bible and I followed those, the routine and he started sleeping in the day and in the night and my life changed. Everything turned around and that, and the, and the fog started to lift. Um, and I started to feel like I loved him and that he was the best thing ever. And that continued. Um, but any kind of illness or sickness sets me off. It still does. It still sets me off. Uh, And then when he was 10 months old, I got pregnant with Sadie and my world came crashing down again. And I because I was not trying to get pregnant. Um, I could barely handle George mentally, not behaviorally. He was amazing. He was an, He's always been an amazing kid. It was nothing to do with him. It's always been me. Then I get pregnant when he's 10 months old, and I just remember seeing the pregnancy tests and just screaming, fuck, <laughs> and st- pacing up and down the hallway thinking, what the fuck? How am I going to do this? I can't even handle one kid. I cannot do this and that and that was how I was the whole pregnancy even to the point where I went into the delivery room to have her and I looked at the little bed where they put them when they're born and I just cried and I said I can't do this I don't want to do this I cannot do this I cannot have another baby I just want to go home to George um George who I'd also written an entire freaking book about all the instructions on how to look after him I read I saw it the other day and I was like what is wrong with you like Oh, what was wrong with you? You poor thing. It was just, must have been so stressful. Anyway, so I had Sadie and um, super quick and easy birth, an hour and a half from from start to finish. And um, it was totally different. She was put on me and I did. I did feel bonded with her straight away. I 
everything was so much easier. She wasn't tongue-tied. She had a mole on the back of her leg, which had to get checked out, and she did have a um, hole. It's not really a hole, but at the top of her tailbone. Um, she, I can't remember what it's called right now. Oh, my God, what's it called? Anyway, I had to have her, she had to have an ultrasound to check for spina bifida, um, and she has this mole on the back of her leg, which is going to keep growing as well, and I have to keep an eye on that. But over, overly, overall, she was fine. Um, and I bonded with her straight away. And I did love her straight away. And I think in hindsight, it's because I had, no, I had nothing else to lose. I felt like I'd already lost who I was um, before I had kids. And so when I had her, I kind of knew what to expect. And there was nothing else for me to, that I felt I could lose. Um, but then it was fine at the beginning and then she didn't sleep and then everything spirals out of control again and I know it's all linked to my sleep and I'm sure that's it's like that for anyone even people without kids I'm sure if you can't sleep for some reason everything kind of spirals for you um and I'd also have been someone to suffer with this kind of stuff prior to having children can I also add that and I've always been super anxious I've had bouts of depression anxiety is what gets me it's the, it's the anxiety and then that leads to the depression I think because having anxiety is super super hard for someone like I'm quite an extrovert I guess um but I am also super anxious. I'm a very anxious person. Um, so she was born, everything was kind of fine. She was a perfect baby, of course, you know, the most perfect of all babies. And then her sleep just turned to absolute shit. And Ben travels a lot. He was away a lot in the first few months of her life. So I've kind of felt like I was doing it alone at night. Um, and then I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I went back into that kind of, I can't do this. I don't want to be here. I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not a good mum. What has happened? How did I let this happen? And I just, I remember just getting into bed some nights, just hiding under the blankets and just crying and crying, not wanting to, the next day to come. I dread every day, every night. I think I don't want to wake up tomorrow. I can't do this anymore. Um, and then eight months, I got a beautiful sleep consultant called Cherie and she fixed my life because she got Sadie to sleep. And then again, the fog lifted and I could see out the other side. Um, and now it, it, it's just getting better and better. I mean, obviously some days are shit in the first six months of having two under two. Holy smokes, that was hard work. Um, but I guess the reason I'm going on about this is because I'm sure there's going to be other people who relate. <coughs> and I really want to urge you in a very hypocritical way if you're having thoughts of driving through a fucking intersection and you want a truck to get you that's not good that is not normal and you need some help I never got help I never did I just battled on with it and now in hindsight I look back <clears throat> and think what a waste what a waste I, I could have enjoyed those first few months of George's life so much more if I just got over myself and went and spoke to someone. Um, and I'd put on a brave face for everyone else. Ben knew. I think my mum probably knew a little bit, but I just put on a brave face because I didn't want anyone else to know. I felt weak um, and I felt like a failure and I felt like I'd made a massive mistake. And, I, you know, all I'd wanted was this baby. And to be to saying to Ben, all I want is a kid, all I want is a kid. I need to have a baby. Like, it's my time. And then the world's flipped upside down and I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, but yeah, I just want people to know that it's okay. And 
go and talk to someone. And also it does get so much better. I love my kids now more than I could ever explain. And I just look at them and I'm like, holy shit, you are incredible. And you are amazing. And <laughs> it's because of me, <laughs> um, you know, and everyone else around them. But if I didn't haul my ass like I did, um, things could have been a lot different because there were some very, very, very low points for me. Very, very low points. I did go to the doctor once. When I stopped breastfeeding with Sadie, actually, she was about eight months old and she refused. Um, she just wouldn't take it anymore. And I, and I did go to the doctor and I said, it, I think it was my hormones. It just ruined me. And, I, and again, I went into that depressive state. Didn't want to be here. Couldn't do it. Um, it was around Christmas 2019 because I remember I didn't even care about Christmas and Christmas has always been the thing that I love most. Um, and I was just like, I don't even care about Christmas. I don't want it. Christmas is shit. Christmas can suck a dick. Um, I just couldn't do it. I just wasn't interested. So I went to the doctor and she prescribed me some antidepressants and they were antidepressant and anti-anxiety. And she told me all the side effects um, and said it would take a couple of weeks for them to kick in and you'll feel weird while you're getting used to them. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to give it a couple more weeks. And then if I'm still feeling like this, I'll take it and I'll do it for my family. So I did that and I waited two weeks and I started to feel better again. And I think my hormones had just gone from being pregnant to breastfeeding, to breastfeeding and pregnant at the same time, to breastfeeding, to nothing in like that two years. And I think my body was just in shock. It was like, what is going on? Where like these hormones are out of whack. They're out of whack, sister. Um, but I didn't take anything and um, I haven't to this day. But if I was still feeling funny after a couple of weeks, I totally would have. And I don't think that there is any shame in taking anything, ever. If you're, if you're feeling as low as I was doing, there is nothing wrong with taking something to help you feel better and make it everything better for your family. There really isn't. Um, so if you've actually listened to this and you're, and you're still listening, thank you for <laughs> listening to me just go on and on. Sorry if you can hear Bluey in the background. Um, but I just want you to know that it does get easier. It does get better. And if you feel like it's not getting better, then you need to talk to someone and you need to get some help because I don't want anyone else looking back on the time that they've had with their babies and regretting what they, how they handled it. Because if I wasn't so stubborn, I wouldn't be sitting here thinking, shit, what a waste. Why did I do that to myself and my kids? I could have had something. I could have taken something. I could have spoken to someone. Um, and maybe I wouldn't forever have that guilt and regret that I didn't do something about it. Um, so yeah, that's just where I'm at. Um, I am always here to listen, always. It's so good to talk to someone. If you know someone else um, that has, if, you know what the other thing is? Even if you think that no one else is going to be interested, if you know all these mums that have babies and you think, oh, no, nah, they're having a great time, no one feels like me, talk to them anyway because you'd be surprised how many people are and they don't want to talk about it. There's a crazy amount of people, mums dealing with it. And do you know what the other thing is? Dads as well. Dads can, dads can have depression, postnatal depression, because it's, an, it's a massive adjustment for dads as well. I know that we give them a lot of shit because, you know, and there's things like those memes and it's like when you look over at your husband in the middle of the night and look at him with his useless nipples. And yes, to an extent, they can't do anything. However, this does affect them too. It's a massive change for them as well. So we need, do need to be mindful about that. Um, it's all very well thinking about maternal mental health, but also paternal mental health as well. 
Um, I think it's something that's forgotten about and, you know, girls get all the credit and we do. Obviously we go through a fucking hard time, but in saying that, dads do too, just in a different way. So yes, I think that's me. I don't, I don't really know if I've got a specific point. Um, I just wanted to get that off my chest in the hope that maybe it will help someone else. Um, if you have a baby or, and, you, and you're just thinking, where's this, where's this love that everyone talks about? You're not alone. You're not alone in feeling like that. And it will come. It's a huge adjustment that you're going through. Your body has gone through so much. Your mind is going through so much. You start to feel like you're losing yourself. And you probably will for a while. But then you'll find yourself again. And you realize how much of a fucking badass you are because you've done through, gone through all this stuff. And you look at the little people that you're raising and you're like, you know what? I'm actually doing a really good job because these kids are incredible. Um, yeah, and that's me. I don't even know if this is recorded. I've actually got a sore throat from talking so much. Uh, yeah, I hope this makes some sense. And if you need me, I'm always there. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.